Have you ever had this experience? The sun is shining, you've finished all your work, and you're feeling good. You feel that moment of, of silence. You pause, and then your instincts kick in. You, you grab your phone out, you open your phone, you, you go to the app, you start scrolling. You start scrolling. Pictures are whizzing by. You stop the scrolling for a, a video of a husky saying, I love you. You keep scrolling. You keep scrolling. You stop the scroll. A picture of your friend in a bathing suit. You realize, man, my life is boring and, and my life, my body is out of shape. You scroll again. This time a picture of a, uh, a home workout. You compare yourself to that toned instructor. You keep scrolling. Your friend has posted about their epic rescue mission of an elderly citizen and you feel inadequate and, and useless. You start scrolling again. You see a friend in a similar line of work as you posting about their recent job success and you just play back in your mind all your recent failures. You scroll again, but this time you're not looking. Your thumbs are just going into autopilot and instead your brain is just... Uh, wallowing and not registering anything else but wishing that you were someone else. You exit the app, you close your phone, you put your phone in your pocket. You feel drained. You feel overwhelmed. You feel discontent. Comparison. The measuring of your worth by the subjective standards of another, such that value is no longer inherent or internal, but dictated by how it stacks up against others. And we live in an unprecedented time of supercharged comparisons. As we spend moment after moment after moment with others in view, as we bathe ourselves in social media, TV streaming, and instant messaging. Comparison, it's like a parasite that robs us of our joy and stunts our growth. Have you ever compared yourself to others? I mean, of, of course you have. Have you ever wanted a, uh, another body or wished you were more good-looking or successful or smart or influential as someone else? I mean, we all do it. And the danger is for this comparison to infect our spiritual lives or our church life such that we no longer measure worth by God and his words but now by the standards of others and the world. We take our eyes off what God has called us to do and we measure ourselves by the church down the road or that other member or that live stream or that worship band or that preacher. We can easily start tuning out of God's word and start measuring our lives by others, either in discouragement that they seem more significant to us or in pride thinking that we are better than them. Well, we're back in 1 Corinthians again this week. And remember that this church that Paul is writing to uh, is divided over their comparison of, of which preacher they were associated with. Paul spent a couple of chapters already Spelling out how their apparent division is evidence of a misunderstanding of the gospel. Paul says his message wasn't with persuasive, impressive speech compared to the speakers of the time, but a preaching of Christ crucified. Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, the power of God. 
And as we move into chapter 3 today, Paul addresses further their stunted growth because of their jealousy and quarreling. Their comparison, as we'll see. What the church needs to hear is that comparison will rob us of growth and we need to know how to uproot it from our lives. A church needs to stop the scroll, stop measuring ourselves by others and start living confidently in the calling that God has given to us. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, grab a pen and your notebook and let's dig deep into God's word tonight. But as we come to his word, let me start by praying. Our Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit and its power to reveal to us what you want us to know. And so we pray tonight, Lord, that as we uh, come together, uh, that you would um, shape us and mold us into the image of Christ, that we would be fruitful for your glory. Lord, if there are those of us who have sin in our lives that you need to pluck out, I pray that you would uh, bring conviction. Lord, if there's a need for encouragement and um, and peace and healing, I pray, Lord, that your gospel would uh, speak peace and power into our lives tonight. So, Lord, we come humbly before your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, from chapter 3, let's read together from verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. We see here Paul addresses them as brothers and sisters. They have believed and received the Spirit of God, yet it seems their growth has been stunted. They still operate with a world mindset. What is that mindset? Verse 3, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? The Corinthians have taken their eyes off the good news of Jesus and started comparing with their association with this preacher or that. Their jealousy and their division is the mindset of the world, Paul says. And their, this comparison mindset has stunted their maturing and growing. And so Paul says in verse 2, he had to give them milk again. Uh, do you remember that movie Big with Tom Hanks? I don't know if anyone's seen it. Uh, I guess maybe not for many of you. 1988 seems like a, a long, long time ago. Um, I was talking to the guys before. There's a, a similar movie called um, a Suddenly 30. Uh, but Big is a movie about a 13-year-old boy in the body of a 35-year-old man. Uh, and it's played by Tom Hanks. Looks pretty young there. Uh, on the outside, he looks old and mature, but inside, he's still a 12 who wants to play with uh, toys and cars. When we take our eyes off the gospel as our focus and as our standard, and as we start to compare ourselves with others, we stunt our growth. We lo look, might look mature on the outside, but Paul says, you are being a baby, mere infants in Christ. Now, Paul's pretty blunt about this. I imagine it would have stung for the Corinthians to be called a baby. But their attitude was stunting their growth and it was hindering their witness of the gospel to others. And so we need to be assessing 
our outlook as well. Are we guilty of jealousy, jealousy and quarreling? Resenting others with a different view? Feeling bitterness towards others who don't see things our way? Comparing our importance based on our position? Where might there be comparison in our lives, in our lives, that might be robbing us of growth? Well, if there's comparison that's robbing us of maturing, we need to know how to uproot it. And Paul gives us some clues. Now, in this passage, Paul is referring to the nature of leaders, and and there are principles in this passage here for those who are, are serving in a leadership capacity in this church. But there is a truth for all of us here to be learned. We uproot comparison by understanding, firstly, that God alone gives the growth. Secondly, we alone are accountable for ourselves. And thirdly, all things are already ours in Christ. So part one, chapter three, five to nine, God alone grows the church. Look down with me, verse five. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. The Corinthians' comparison was pointless when put in perspective of who Paul and Apollos were. These church leaders were simply servants, assigned with a task to do, a job to do. And yet the church was comparing and and quarreling over who they thought was better, who was the more effective preacher. And so Paul gives us this image of a a field, a picture of a field to explain. This is verse 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Paul's already told us in chapter 1 and 2, human ability and status and position count for nothing. God's power through the working of the foolishness of the cross is what transforms a life and what grows a church. Without God's life and power, the farmers may as well be planting nails. It ain't going to grow. God is the power. God alone can change a life and make the church grow. So verse 7, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Those serving the church, leaders, teachers, hosts, members, each has a part to play, assigned by God with a purpose. If you're a leader, why would we compare ourselves to others? Where do we get our significance from? Is it the amount of people in our group or the supposed Bible knowledge that we have or how tight-knit or, or, or um, popular our people are? That's not where our significance is. God's given us a purpose from God and only God will make it fruitful for His purposes. So stop comparing yourself to what others are doing and look to what God has assigned to you for today. We are all co-workers in God's service. So there is no place for comparison 
and jealousy and quarreling. I want to suggest three signs that might indicate that you have a comparison problem. The first is discontentment. Are you experiencing dissatisfaction in your life as you look around at others? Do you see brothers and sisters fruitful and successful in their lives and instead of celebrating, you feel like you're missing out? Are you bored as you serve in the church and would rather do something more exciting? Discontentment discontentment might be a symptom of comparison in your heart. The second sign is becoming overly critical. Are you quick to pick holes in people's efforts? Are you skeptical when people share good news or, or uh, an experience they've had? Is your default to judge people? Does your feedback to someone always have to include something negative? Overly critical might be a sign that you are comparing others by your standards and not to what God is, what God is doing in front of you and their call for them. The third is a cold heart. Do you ever feel that your passion has been drained, that you struggle to get motivated? Does serving in the church seem like a drag or an inconvenience? It might be that you are looking to others and comparing to them and not seeing what God is doing in and through you and for you. God's calling us to uproot comparison in this church. And we do this by remembering that it, it is he who grows the church. God alone grows the church. Nothing of our efforts means anything unless God works. The good news of Jesus, the victory of the cross and, and resurrection, forgiveness of our sins to reconcile us to God and grant us new life by his spirit. We've, Paul has been laboring to tell us this his gospel is the wisdom of God, the power of God, the only thing that will grow this church. You know, I'm guilty of looking over there and uh, at a ministry over there and thinking, I don't measure up because I don't have that person's charisma or that person's look or that person's influence. Or on the other hand, you know, I'm guilty of looking down at others and uh, because they haven't kept up with the times and, and what they're doing looks daggy. You know, I, I judge others uh, by my comparison to them rather than the call that God has placed on their life and my life. You see, each of us has been assigned to each their task, each given a purpose. I can't judge my calling based on somebody else's. I can't base my importance on how impressive I am. The power is in the gospel. My call is to be faithful to that, to the purpose God has given me. We uproot comparison by replacing our view with a gospel lens. And so we celebrate our brothers and sisters' wins. We do our part wholeheartedly. We want to build the body. We keep our eyes on Christ who has purchased us his love, who loves us, who holds us fast. We don't need anyone else's affirmation or acceptance. We serve the Lord alone. So I wonder, do you know what your purpose is in this body? Do you know the task God may have assigned to you?
to uproot comparison, we need to know who we are, servants of God. We don't put anyone on pedestals, but instead point one another to Christ. And so Paul then moves from a field analogy to a building one. In verse 9, For we are, God's, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. In high school, I remember my family accommodating uh, some Canadian tourists, uh, friends of a, uh, family friends of ours. And at lunch, as we were eating together, I noticed that both these tourists uh, were wearing a ring on their pinky finger. I asked them about it, and it turns out this ring was exclusive for Canadian engineers. Uh, they're called iron rings, supposedly made out of the iron from a bridge that had collapsed as a result of faulty engineering, a mistake in a calculation. The rings are given to engineers to wear on their pinky of their writing hands so that whenever they write out their equations, they'd hear the tap, tap, tap of their ring to remind them of the responsibility they have in their work and to get their work right. The engineer isn't judged by a comparison to how others are doing. They are judged by the quality of their work and whether or not it stands up. We uproot comparison in the church when we realize we are accountable for our own selves. And we focus on building with the right materials. Remember in context, the Corinthian church are quarreling over the status of leadership. And so Paul was going to remind them that each builder, each leader will be accountable for their own work, having built on the right foundation with the right materials rather than, uh, or with the wrong materials or the wrong foundation. And so read along with me from verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, this passage here, has been wrongly understood to mean something of a purgatory for worldly Christians. But you see, Paul here is referring to Christian leaders. And what is being tested is not someone's soul, but the quality of the builder's work, a leader's ministry. Imagine our leaders, every time we teach or serve or, or make a decisions as laying bricks for the kingdom of God. You know, we might build with the cheaper ingredients, wood, hay, and straw, and, and the fast shortcuts, and our building will go up, and we might get a following and see some success. But time will expose the quality of our work. And ultimately, the final day when Jesus judges the world, our work will be shown for what it is. 
On the other hand, if our leaders are laying bricks of gold, silver, costly stones, I mean, we're getting this image of God's temple being built. The harder, less flashy, faithful work. On that day, the builder's faithful work will be seen for what it is, and the builder will receive their reward. If you're serving in ministry in some form, how you compare to others won't matter. What will matter is what you built. And you'll be accountable for your own work. This is why we should never be comparing ourselves to, with other buildings, other leaders or churches or businesses. It's very well that other buildings may look impressive on the outside, but are, building, but are being built with hay and straw like the human wisdom that we're told about in chapter 1, the philosophers and the religious elite, those looking for signs and wisdom. Rather, we measure ourselves by what God has laid in front of us, His wisdom, His gospel work. Which raises the question, what then are the right building materials? If you are a leader or we should want to know this for our leaders, what's the right way to build? Well, Paul's already demonstrated to us the foundation itself is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ crucified on our behalf, forgiveness of sin, the satisfaction of God's right judgment and our reconciliation to him. The right building materials, therefore, I want to suggest might include our firstly gospel teaching. We don't teach man's wisdom. We don't bring our own agendas to the scriptures. We don't seek applause or to entertain. Rather, we faithfully teach God's word as he revealed it to us. Paul in the church to Acts writes that he didn't shrink back from sharing with them the whole counsel of God. That all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness. The early church, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Jesus says himself that all scriptures are pointing to himself. We search the scriptures diligently and we know, know it's the spirit who transforms lives and works God's power, not our pers persuasive words. So I believe this is the right materials that we build with. Firstly, gospel teaching. The second material I want to suggest is a gospel life. As leaders, our lives will be as much a witness and testimony to the grace of God. You know, in this digital age, it is so easy to shortcut influence. We can go viral very quickly and hold an impressive platform to influence many. But there is no shortcut to a transformed inner life by the gospel. Look at how Jesus himself, he took time to spend in silence, to be with God, to be in God's word. And this informed his ministry. The ministry will be built out of the overflow of what God has done and God is what God is producing in our hearts. And so it matters it matters what we do, but it matters more who we are. Unless we abide in Christ, we can do nothing. 
And thirdly, I want to suggest that uh, a building material might include gospel measures of success. We don't judge a building by its looks, but by its material. So we must be careful. What are we comparing ourselves to? What is God asking for us? Is it the largest building or the greatest following or the flashiest billboard? Now, God is looking for faithful disciples, for the fruit of the Spirit, for genuine conversions, for sincere love from His people. We need to make sure our measures are what we believe God is calling us to, recognizing that our foundation is the gospel. Our wisdom is the gospel. And our power is in the gospel not our own strength or our own doing. So comparison is uprooted from our hearts when we rest in God's call on our lives, knowing that we are accountable for ourselves alone and we are responsible for the work that we produce. And finally, perhaps Paul's most compelling argument, why comparison or jealousy, quarreling, have no place in the church is because of our identity. So come down with me to uh, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. The curtain that separated us from God's holy presence has been ripped up. God's Holy Spirit now lives in us. Those who believe, the ones God has called, God's very presence and His glory now dwells in us. We can know God. We can approach God and God delights in us. All made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus. His blood shed for us so that we could be clean. So there's no place for comparison with others when we recognize that God's very presence is in us. There's no question about it. What's the point of looking to others and comparing ourselves to them them when we remember what our identity is? God will fight for his people. Those who destroy his temple, God says he will destroy that person. There's a judgment for those who reject God's grace and who destroy God's people. But notice something as well. It's not just the individuals that the Spirit dwells in, but together. He says together as a holy people, we are his temple, God's building. It's crazy then that we would place one person above another. We need to recognize our identity in order to uproot comparison in our lives. But that's not all. Paul goes on, verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. Our wisdom is not in ourselves, but in God. Why then are we comparing ourselves to the world or others? Remember our identity. 
And if we think back again to to chapter 1, God has called the lowly and the weak things to shame the strong. Why? So that no one can boast that all the glory belongs to God. So we need to remember that we're God's vessels being used for his purposes. And he delights to take what is small in the world's eyes to do something big. Comparison will creep into our lives when we forget who we are, who, what our identity is. So then Paul says, verse 21, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, all these leaders, they were comparing and quarreling over. Paul says they are each just servants given to the church. When we have comparison, we start comparing them. We're overlooking the wealth and the breadth that God has given to the church for its building. And then all the things that would seem to stand against us, that would hold us in bondage and drive us to comparison. I mean, we see these things, the world, which seeks to squeeze us into its mold, demanding our attention and our allegiance. This present life, which fills us with worry and pressures us to make something of ourselves now with no concern for the next life. Or death. No one escapes it, yet we do everything in our power to ignore its reality And live our lives by suppressing the thought of it. Paul says this, all things are are yours. Remember your identity. We belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Therefore, we belong to God. And God is sovereign over all that would seem to stand against us. God has shown his great love to his people. At the cost of the death of his son, he has paid for our redemption. So I want to read to you this quote from Don Carson. He writes this, All realities look very different if we examine them from the secure position of belonging to Jesus Christ. In anticipation of the life to come and and the power of the resurrection, all the things of this world, life, Death, the future, no longer stand against us, but are spheres for which we might serve our great Redeemer. When we take our eyes off what God has already given to us, we will start comparing ourselves to others and it will rob us of joy and it will rob us of our growth. Rather, we must look and remember what God has given us. Victory, that is for all of us. So comparison is, is rearing its ugly head when we forget what God has given to us and we start envying others. Have you ever made that mistake? I mean, I frequently will see other people on my newsfeed, friends from school with their successes and Uh, their entrance into the bar, becoming a lawyer or a doctor, and I envy their success. We look at those houses uh, on on the street that are are big and and luxurious. Or maybe you look at that other Christian person or that other church that's successful. 
when we, beca- when we compare and become jealous, we take our eyes off what God has already purchased for us. And what Christ has purchased for us is everything. All things are ours. The present, the future, the world, this life, the next, the life to come. Victory we claim in Jesus Christ. You know, if you're with us tonight and you're watching and and you wouldn't call yourself a believer, I want to encourage you that there is freedom from the never-ending rat race of comparison and the, and the world that is sucking you in. But that Jesus Christ extends his hand of forgiveness and grace and freedom to you. Acceptance with God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father. He made us to relate to him. A God who, who has promised us forgiveness. He promised us Promises to restore your brokenness, your guilt before him. And promises a joyful future of eternal life with him. That is available to you. An invitation to stop comparing. Stop measuring your worth by what the world says. And see what God says about who you are and the amazing love that he extends to you. And for the church tonight, I want to encourage you that the path forward towards growth must involve a ruthless uprooting of comparison in our hearts. God is calling us to look to him and the power of his gospel to do his work through us. So we need this constant reminder not to look to and to compare with the wisdom of the world for success, but to look to the power of God through the Spirit to bring about the fruitfulness for His glory. Uh, So an application, some suggestions for us all tonight. Uh, It might be that you need to take a break from social media. If comparison is deeply rooted in your heart, I want to encourage you that feeding your brain constantly with images of other people at their best will not do great things for your heart. Maybe take a day or take a week off social media and use that time to focus your heart back onto God. Secondly, you might start writing a journal of thankfulness. Write down all the things God has given to you today. And the more thankful that you are and the more that you realize how much God has given you, I believe the more that comparison is going to be uprooted. I was speaking to a mate one time and he shared with me that he once had a plane trip, uh, if you remember those things, um, and he left his book at home and instead of indulging in the videos of the free entertainment, he decided to use the time to reflect and to, and to make a mental list all the things that he is thankful to God for. And he, he used the whole flight for this, a couple hours Uh, But he said walking off that flight, he was floating with joy and all his worries just faded because he was looking to God and overflowing with thankfulness. My last suggestion is to practice the presence of God in the rhythms of our life, in the rhythms of our day. When we take our eyes off God, that's when we start to compare ourselves with others. But if we're feeding our day with mindfulness of God, 
we allow God to renew our minds and conform us to the image of Christ. So maybe start a habit of, of soap journaling that we're encouraging the church to practice um, through Scripture in the morning. Perhaps for your lunch, uh, download the Dwell app. It's a, um, an audio a Bible of, of, um, of Scripture. Or associate perhaps with your commute to work or to uni or to school. Associate that trip uh, with a prayer of thankfulness. You know, one of my pastors growing up once told me that uh, on his commute to school as a young man, he would walk and there were lots of bollards along the way on his, on his walk. And what he chose to do was for each bollard, every morning he would do this. For each bollard he would just tap it and he would thank God for another thing that God has given to him uh, and would use that as a prayer of worship. So as a church, I want to encourage us that the path towards growth will involve uprooting comparison. We need to remember that God alone is the one who brings the growth. So stop looking at what others are doing and think about what God has called you to do, what part you are called to play. We need to remember that we'll be accountable for ourselves alone. And so we can't be judging others or judging our success or worth by what others are doing Rather, we need to be building with the right materials, materials that will last. And finally, we need to stop comparing ourselves with others by remembering our identity and what God has given to us, all things in Christ. Jesus said he has come to bring life and life to the full. We are God's temple. His spirit is in us and lives in us. Comparison is robbing us of joy and maturity. But as we uproot this, and as we build our lives on the gospel, I know that we'll mature. We will grow up to be the people of God, the people that God has called us to be, no longer babies, no longer infants being tossed to and fro by the world and all its teachings and its, all its ideas. But with eyes fixed on Jesus, we would serve him and grow up like him. This is what the church needs to hear. This is what Paul was saying to the Corinthian churches. This is what we need to understand if we're going to grow. So my encouragement to you, if you're trapped in comparison, come back to Jesus. Let's be ruthless together of uprooting comparison, but rather fixing our eyes, putting our eyes on Jesus, seeking his will in our lives, being the church that he has called us to be. This is what this whole series is about, rediscovering what the church is, who we are in Christ, and what empowers us, and that is the gospel. So I invite you to pray with me now. Lord Jesus, we want to worship you in this moment. We praise you for your kindness and your goodness to reconcile us to God. But Lord, I want to confess that in my heart I've been comparing myself with others, measuring my worth and my success and my value by what others think of me. So Father, please uproot this from my heart and from all of us, Lord. Help us not to compare, but to seek to mature and to grow as we look to you. Lord, you've said you are the one who brings the growth. So Father, we offer to you our, our lives our ministries, our efforts, we give it over to you and say, Lord, please grow. Grow us. Grow us to be more like you. 
Grow us to be like Jesus, that many would see, see us and see your beauty and your glory and your love amongst us. Help us to be the church. Help us to be your church, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.